what can you do to make yourself stand out mm. on the page? But a couple of, so really think about that. Um, please don't use Microsoft Word templates. <laughs> I think I've seen all of them and I'm like, oh. Okay. It's actually, um, I'm, I'm actually all for actually going and paying for somebody to put your resume together. Yeah, you nice. do like graphic design and yep. do all that. You can go up on, there's all these websites, you got a design crowd and things like that where mm. you can say, here's my resume, can you make it look good? Yeah, yeah. And you'll get people who actually then tender for your job. And welcome back to another episode of the Pretengineers with, as always, yours truly, Jack and Ryan. Now, first up, guys, I know, I know, it's been it's been a little bit. It's been a it's been a while since our last episode, and we do sincerely apologise. Things have been a bit wild for us work-wise, um, very busy, but we endeavor to keep doing this and it's no excuse that we've been busy at work. We've got we to get on top of this and we are really making a commitment to get back into this and we've been lining up a lot of really good interviews um, as of late and we're super excited to be bringing them to you. And this episode, this first one coming to you, is really one that we're quite proud to bring to you because we think that it's got a lot of value um, and a lot of people are going to benefit from it. Um, this week's episode features Sean Lavin and Ryan might have a different uh, kind of side of things, but I thought it was an absolutely key episode for anyone who was going to or is interested in applying for resources and mining type jobs. Sean is actually one of the key figures in Thesis HR team and reviews thousands of resumes every year and CVs and also um, works closely with Thesis graduates and also their development and learning type programs. Um, Sean's story was really interesting to me in the way that he originally started off in the hotel and kind of hospitality sector and transitioned into mining as an operator, uh, driving dump trucks and things like that, and has since transitioned back uh, back to the head office at, which Thies has in Brisbane, uh, well, their Brisbane head office, and he's, um, yeah, got a great insight in that he's been on site and can really understand how everything works, has a lot of respect for the guys doing it, and just absolutely loves it. You could really tell that he really loved the work that he does. Um, Ryan, what did you think about the episode, mate? Jack, I actually uh, really loved the episode. Um, for us, it was actually a first at Change News uh, of interviewing a podcaster. So um, I know Jack thought that was cool, and I thought that was really cool just to see the way he, I suppose, answered and uh, answered the questions and and, and talked, uh, you know, about his story to help out a lot of other engineers out there and and, and people in the industry. Um, so yeah, what I really loved a few key takeaways. Um, the biggest one for me was. Um, being like a chameleon and really adapting, um, you know, to really find out what you truly enjoy in life. And um, I think as Jack mentioned, and you'll listen and you'll hear, um, Sean was actually a hotel manager, so in that hospitality space. Uh, and then after that, through his brother-in-law, he actually then got an opportunity to, to work in the mines. Uh, and through his work in the mines as a dump truck operator, um, he actually uh, got elected by his peers uh, as the health and safety representative. So he actually had a massive responsibility on his hands um, where if he ever thought that there was an operation at the mine site that was not safe, 
um, due to production or efficiencies or pressure from bosses, um, he was the one that was responsible for stopping work on the site. Uh, and making sure that we operate on the mine site correctly, but also safely and efficiently. So um, that was really fascinating. Uh, but yeah, after a few years out on out on site, out on the pink dump trucks, he wanted more and, and something different. And um, that's my key takeaway from this is really pursuing his passions. He um, ended up doing his master's in human resources at uh, UQ and um, through his existing employer, then actually moved on to uh, you know their HR team here in Brisbane. Um, and first off, he started in their graduate recruitment um, section, really looking at uh, the recruitment needs for fees and then bringing in the, the graduates that he thought fit uh, the team and the company best. Uh, and he's now developed, uh, he, he's now progressed onto the graduate development section. So uh, that's really interesting, helping the graduates, you know, move into the teams, um, work and, and, and fit into the teams really well. Um, but also that the way they learn and develop and they're making sure that they're, um, I suppose, their development's where it needs to be. So that's a really fascinating thing. So um, those are probably two of the key uh, aspects I really learned is one, his desire to learn and develop um, so that he could take his career where he wanted to go. Uh, and then the other one is, uh, I suppose, just a, a couple of really fantastic tips for a lot of graduates and young professionals out there, even students, um, to give them tips on how to, I suppose, maximize their chances of, of getting employment um, or getting an internship or get, just getting an opportunity. So I thought uh, those were the two key takeaways for me is one, following your passions and making sure you don't sit in a job or sit in a career that you don't love. And I think that's one of the key, key focuses for us here at the Engineers is helping um, our young graduates and young professionals realize what they love and what they're passionate about and how they go about that. So that was one key takeaway for me. Uh, and then the second was all those fantastic little, um, you know, golden nuggets and pearls of wisdom um, to help graduates get noticed uh, in a really large engineering field, get, um, you know, get noticed out there for an internship, uh, a graduate opportunity. Um, so yeah, those would probably be my two, take, two key takeaways. So, um, and yeah, we actually, um, as, as I mentioned earlier, Sean was a podcaster himself. Um, we really loved interviewing him and, and he actually does a fantastic job um, with his podcast called Beneath the Surface. And um, I think that's all about engineering and, uh, and human resources and all about the, I suppose, the mineral resourcing and mining sector. So that's a fantastic podcast and I really recommend you guys check that out. Um, just, just after our episode, we actually recorded one with Sean uh, all about safety. And um, it's actually really crazy uh, how much we take safety for granted in Australia. Um, and Jack and I shared a couple of stories on his podcast about uh, you know how things can go wrong if you don't uh, keep safety at the forefront of your mind. So, uh, but yeah, guys, definitely dig in. Um, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. I'm sure you'll learn from it. And we'll actually do another follow-up episode with Sean in the future. Um, and uh, as, as Jack mentioned, um, we do apologize for having a bit of a la uh, lapse in our episodes lately. But um, I can confirm that we do actually have um, Nikki Watson uh, that actually works at Joseph Mark. So she's in uh, user interface. That'll be really interesting to hear from her. Uh, Brody Chan is actually a project manager at the Port of Brisbane. Um, super looking forward to getting into that one. And um, yeah, we've got a, actually Warren James we'll be interviewing tomorrow. And uh, he's a former electrical engineer and now he's like a personal professional mentor slash coach. So a couple of awesome episodes coming up, guys. Uh, again, apologize for, apologies for the lapse. Um, 
but now that I'm back in Brisbane and uh, and Jack and I are really working hard to get the fantastic episodes out there that you guys want to hear and uh, we're really working hard to get into all of our universities soon um, to spread the word about the engineers and just spread the word about um, understanding what the industry is really like so that you guys can better choose um, your careers so that you love the career you live and uh, keep harping on about it. it's a bit cliche but it's really true you want to make sure you're doing a job you enjoy and love so um, yeah thanks again um, hit us up on our socials LinkedIn Instagram and um, and yeah let us know about what you want to hear about or who you want to hear on the podcast but uh, otherwise guys thanks very much for listening and uh, yeah talk to you soon G'day, g'day. Hey guys, uh, my name is Ryan and this is Jack Orbit. Welcome back to another episode with the Pretendineers. G'day guys. And a very special guest this evening, Sean Lavin. G'day, Welcome. Everyone. Thank you. Thanks for having me guys. Good to be here. Absolute pleasure to have you on. Um, mate, Ryan, this has been um, cooking in the works for a little while. Yeah. And I'm pretty excited about this episode because um, Sean's got a really unique um, perspective and insight on the resources industry that um an engineer that we normally get on wouldn't really be able to give and yeah i'm excited to kind of hear what you've got to say and uh we thought if we wanted to give the best advice to our listeners and the students um about how to get a job you know the different industries the different spaces any tips tricks that you could help uh you know work on your resume or or your interview um don't ask the engineer ask the hiring manager that hey straight to the source so we have (laughs) People 101 extraordinaire, Sean Lavin on, mate, thanks very much for taking your time out and uh, on this one Monday night to leaving his family at home and he's, he's helping us out, so mate, thanks for, for coming on. Yeah, just for the record, my family are very safe and they're well looked after and we're getting home to them very soon. <laughs> and I really appreciate that intro, actually, that's probably the nicest intro I've, I've ever had, so um, oh, no, I really appreciate it and hopefully I can give a bit of value to, um, to your listeners and um, yeah, even give them a few tips and tricks that maybe they hadn't, hadn't thought of. Yeah, um, when sort of mapping out their career or the way they go about applying for roles. No, I appreciate it, mate. Yeah, and I, I think yeah, I was oh well, I was just gonna kick it straight off because you know me, Ryan, coming from construction, I'm straight to the point and straight into it. You must be a side engineer, right? Yeah, yeah. Enough of details and dilly dallying around. I was just gonna, I was just gonna say that. and latte. I was just gonna say that in engineering, I think a lot more than probably a lot of other degrees is that you can get people from such a range, a diverse range. So you can get like an electrical, we had a lot of electricians coming back and doing their degrees. So you've got a lot of different people with varying experiences, skill sets. I worked from a young age, some people don't. Um, so to be able to get that advice for the young people that have never had a job compared to the 40 year olds going back for their second career, um, I think this would be a super useful and, uh, and beneficial episode for everyone. So. Well, you've talked it up, so we better deliver. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> give, it, give us the rundown, mate. Tell us, uh, Mr. Sean Lavin, how do you come to be? Well, I came to be in Melbourne many moons ago, but I actually grew up in a little town called Yapoon, which is uh, in central Queensland Beautiful. on the beach. Really nice up there. Beautiful, yeah. Nice. Grew up on the beach, surfing, loved it. Um, and then I moved down to Brisbane to do my undergraduate. So I actually studied hotel and tourism management mm. um, straight out of school, mostly because I always thought I'd go and do something business related, but I also thought the business would be super boring. I think I was right. <laughs> so I went to hotel management going, yeah, I love like, you know, hotels, resorts. It'd be cool to work in some of those places. Um, so I did that and I, I traveled around the world and got quite a bit of experience. Mm. And I was working in the hotel game for a couple of years. Mm. And I pretty much hit a point where 
I looked at my boss and I, I didn't want to do his job anymore. Mm. I, I, like I didn't wasn't striving to do what he was doing. Yeah, yeah. And then I looked at the general manager of the hotel and I was like, "You can keep that job, man. I don't want that job." <laughs> like, I can't. I was about twenty five probably, and I sort of hit this wall. Maybe it was maybe it was a quarter life crisis. I've mm. just thought of that now. Know all about that. I was gonna say. Yeah, 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 imagine yeah, if real. you had a couple of gap years, eh? Like you guys, I still probably wouldn't know what to do. After that. <laughs> Start knocking on doors. Yeah, but um, fortunately, my brother-in-law um, at the time was working in the mining industry, and it was the height of the boom. Like you could not get enough of people to drive trucks at the time. And yeah. Like, and if you want to see change and do something totally different, like come and drive a truck on a mine site. There's, there's there was opportunity everywhere. Mm. So um, I did that, and um, yeah, just threw my hat in the ring. But I actually really sort of followed it up too. I made a lot of phone calls, uh, was chased up my application, kind of, I was really quite mm. proactive about it. Mm. And I jagged a, um, a spot on an assessment center. So one of those like bulk yep. recruitment days where they have, you know, say a hundred people in, you do all these teamwork exercises and safety Love it. stuff. Yeah, wow. But it was kind of cool because in the hotel, in the hotels, I was um, the workplace health and safety officer. So I actually had some education about oh, wow. safety in okay. the workplace. Interesting. So when I hit the safety piece, it Killed was, it. It was easy. I, I knew I'd done really well there. Awesome. And being in the resources industry, high risk, safety was a big part of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you stood out. Yeah, so, and, um, and then went for the interview and we talked about, you know, shift work and working away and I was mm. making shifts in the hotel industry. Did you um, have a family at that time? Didn't have a family at that time, but I was with my now wife. <laughs> She's a nurse. Oh, right. So we were both doing shift work. So mm-hmm. I said, well, look, this, we go four or five days and not see each other because, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I'm asleep, yeah. she's at work and vice versa. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So they were like, okay, cool. So because it was a trainee role, like I wasn't bringing any skills to the table. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they, they, so it was really, how are you going to fit into the lifestyle? Do you understand like, you know, the rosters, night shift? Because mm-hmm. night mm-hmm. shift is huge if you haven't worked it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not an easy, it's really not yeah, an easy yeah. Uh, yeah, thing to get used to. It, we yeah, are day walkers. Up to it. We are day walkers. Yeah, we're not meant to be alive at night. No way. Or awake at night. We Even operating, especially night. operating heavy machinery. And yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You know, there's little things go wrong, or you you have a micro sleep at the wrong time. It's yeah. catastrophic. We yeah. um just had a, just a, sorry quickly cut no, in, but we actually had a, a really great episode. We just finished uh, all about safety on uh, beneath the surface. So please check that out. And um, yeah, I think from the, the concrete industry and uh, the mining resources industry. Uh, as well as electrical, as power, uh, safety is key. And if you go to the episode, you'll actually hear a pretty grim story about how, um, yeah, the, the you know one lapse in concentration can take the tip of your finger, um, or unfortunately can take your life. So yeah, mate, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's huge, and safety is a massive part mm-hmm. of it, as is any of any of the high risk industries. Um, so yeah, so I, I jagged it. I started on a site back in March of 2011. I gotta, I gotta quickly ask Jump you. In, yeah. Um, I mean, we've talked about doom and gloom stuff, but how did it feel when you first jumped into your first dump truck, mate? What's the feeling like? Those things are massive. Like insane, right? I still like I was, I was on site for six years. I still was overwhelmed with how big those things. Yeah, like yeah. Getting, yeah. You know, like what what model was it there. that you were in? So I started off on the Caterpillar uh, yeah. trucks. The, we had seven eighty nines and seven ninety threes. Yeah, the yeah. Side I was on, and then Huge. we went through a big expansion in twenty thirteen and got um, a fleet of the Liebherr Ultra Class or trucks. Those things carry about four hundred and twenty five tons fully loaded. <laughs> so it's about six hundred ton just pounding down this dirt yeah. road. Yeah, yeah. And going what, from a pit to a dump. What yeah. speed are you maxing out on those mine sites? Those things. Empty about 50k an hour. And so on a whole road, you'll be doing 50k? 
Yeah, about 45 they'd max out at loaded yeah, right. for 600 yeah. tonne. And try stopping something like that that's it's got incredible. 600 tonne in the back going 50 k's an See, hour. See, this is why we have engineers in the world, because mm. they somehow figured out a way to do it. Yeah, and do it pretty well. <laughs> yeah, things. exactly. If you can drive an automatic car, you can drive a dump truck. Yeah. yeah. It's the, yeah. the basics of driving. But there is a skill to it. There is a serious skill to it. And Moving you can pick between the good operators well, and those that aren't. That's exactly right. Like, so the basics, you can drive it. But mm. to actually operate it is a mm. totally different yeah, yeah, yeah. And it takes yep. a long time. And oh. I took out a long time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I was a competent truckie for about 12 months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah interesting. Yeah. And so yeah. how, how do you go from, you know, operating and, and, and working on the trucks to then getting into that, was it like a safety internship position or? Yeah, so it's part of the, um, under the Coal Mine Health and Safety Act, uh, which we run under in Queensland. Um, yep there's a statutory position in there, which is a site safety and health representative. Yeah. So basically what it is, it's a, it's a person who's selected from the crew, so it's an actual voting thing. Yeah. Um, and you get selected to be basically the health and safety rep, and yeah. that then actually gives you statutory power. Mm. So basically it's a bit of a stop stopgap to uh, say if, if the management of the mine site are trying to put people into an unsafe situation mm. because they're trying to, you know, boost productivity or they're, yeah, you know, they're yeah. rushing to try and get a, save, to meet a target. Save costs and stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. So they're all about that one. Yeah. 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 And it, look, yeah, it's the nature of the beast. I get that yeah, yeah. at times people are put in those situations, mm. but, uh, that's where this, the crew actually has someone who's got statutory power who can shut it down yeah, wow. in line awesome. with legislation and yeah. say, so and they're fully, everybody, everybody can actually do that. Mm. If there's I a duty that, of care issue, you can actually do it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but yeah. at least they've got there's somebody there who can actually step in. And, and so really my job was, um, it was a relationship job. It was having good relationships with the mine managers, with the, you know, the different supervisors and things. And we're all mm. on the same page as to how things were going to roll, yep. you know, what was okay, what wasn't. And we worked together. Yeah, yeah. Um, so very rarely, um, I, I, I had to use the power ones. And mm. it was, wasn't a big deal, but, you know, I, I would, basically I was put in a position where I had to use it. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then I could do a report for the, they call the SSE, the Science yep. Senior Executive, and yep. it's quite a, yeah, it's, process. A, it's a process, it's a legislative thing, so, so, sure. so even, I did that. Yeah, I so was just saying, say, even being in safety, you really worked on your business skill set and your people skill sets uh, to be able to work with the guys on the floor, the office, and everyone to make sure it runs harmoniously and effectively. Pretty much, and look, that all came from um, my days in the hotels. So yep. my job was literally mm-hmm. welcoming people in and out of a hotel, like being of service, checking everything was okay, and yeah. Yeah, being that friendly face when you come down and your bathtub's just overflowed and you flood out the entire floor. Yeah, yeah. One of the guys like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> so because of that, I think that's one of the reasons I was probably voted into that role because, yeah. you know, I had so a choice. Yeah, and the managers in that were, you know, yeah. I, I, we knew each other and everything. So yeah. I think we, it was a pretty easy one that we could all get along and make it yeah, work. Cool. Um, but look, you know, the sites out there that aren't quite as harmonious yeah, and, yeah. Um, and that's why these positions exist. Yep. It sort of sucks that they have to, but yeah, yeah. they're, they're absolutely necessary. Mm. And I think just talking again, back on the, on the episode we did for BTS just yeah. then, we're talking about how fortunate we are in Australia to have red tape and regulation. Uh, sometimes it seems like a pain in the butt, but mm. uh, in reality it saves lives and, um, yeah. yeah, that's, that's really crucial. So how did, how did you then, I suppose, progress from that and thinking, this is so good, I want to go back and, and study again, you know, and, and, and stay in that, that people space and that people management and, and that HR space? Good question. It was something that was always on my mind. So I actually went into the mining industry thinking it would, like very naively, thinking it would be just a short stay. I was just going for a good <laughs> roster that was going to allow me to go back to uni. Yeah. 
uh, and you know pay pay well enough to to cover the bills and all that mm. sort of thing. So when I got into the industry, I realised how much I loved it. I fell awesome. in love with it, and yeah. no, I really did. Awesome. And that's why I went in thinking I'd do two to three years. I did six on site, and I'm still in it now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Married to it. Pretty much, yeah, yeah. I love it. That's the people, the eclectic people that are that work in the industry. Mm. The opportunity, just how awesome yep. site life is. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on board 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, because I, I always thought, oh, I'm going to go back and study HR, it was always something I wanted to do. Yeah, cool. Um, and so I did that. Actually, you know, I studied, you know, on when I could on site, like yeah. in, in the camp room and that sort of thing. And yeah, then wow. when I was at home. Um, and in that time, it took me four years to do a master's degree. In that time, I, started, I got married and I had two kids. And I, busy man. Well, I really don't think I could have crammed any more into... Yeah, you're a, a busy man. Four, three and a half, four year period. Yeah, nice. Um, and then when I, I got the degree, I got my master's in HR and then uh, I was applying for a few roles and then a, uh, a job ad actually came up. So within the same company I was working for, for the graduate program. Mm. I was like, that's, that's the ticket to... That's the easy path, almost, mm-hmm. as opposed to Existing leaving the company. industry and having to start again. Yeah, yeah. Because I knew I was going to start again. Yeah. Because uh, being an operator doesn't transfer very well into HR. dealing with people in a HR space. <laughs> you kind of need to. Yeah. So I went through this graduate program, which is yeah. basically just a corporate apprenticeship. I know you guys have been through them as well. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I have a look back, so got a taste for many different aspects of HR within the mining industry. Mm. Um, so everything from recruitment to um, negotiating uh, bargaining agreements and, and yeah, some yeah, high-scale cool. indu- industrial relations stuff, which was cool. Yeah. Um, and then I found myself in the space that I'm still in now, mm. having come off the program and um, you know had the wings clipped mm. in, uh, we call it talent <laughs> management, but it's basically uh, organizational development. So we look after, our team looks after sort of diversity and inclusion, uh, we also look after the graduates as well, graduate program and vacation work. So Massive. it's cool to kind of give back to the space that I was in only a couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, it's funny how that circle actually came back a lot quicker for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's cool because I'm so, I'm still so fresh. It's still so fresh in my mind. Exactly. Like I kind of get how grads typically think or what's important to them and, and tailoring the way that we, you know, structure the programs and things to help align to that. Yeah, for sure. It's fun. And so on that note, how do the graduate programs typically work in the mining and resources kind of sector? Yeah, look, I don't know uh, too much outside of it. So I can't really, I don't really have apples with apples, but uh, the processes are generally pretty standard because it's what they call a bulk recruitment campaign. So Mm -hmm. an ad will go up and you'll get boatloads of applicants. So you How many applicants go for these types of positions? Because I know at um, Wholesome, where I used to work, yep. we had over, when I applied, I think it was 4,000 applicants or something Wow, crazy like that. Yeah. And they whittle it all the way down to 11 or something stupid. Yeah. Um, is that similar type numbers to what a mining type company would expect to receive? I may or may not be making this up. <laughs> uh, our, our broader um, parent company, so there's, we've got a couple of different industries, mining being yeah. one of them, the construction things as well. I think we had about over 7,000 applicants yep. that boiled down to about 250 wow. grads across, right. you know, engineering, support, finance, like huge, huge numbers. Incredible numbers. Yeah, incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you are the man to ask on <laughs> tips for resumes. You must yeah. know the Picasso of resumes. <laughs> it's not so much Picasso. Look, resumes are, um, 
you're really putting yourself out there on paper and that's a very difficult thing to do because mm-hmm. you've got no emotional connection to the person who's actually looking at it. Yeah. You're literally text on a page. Yeah. It's like every single person. So it's, yeah. what can you do to make yourself stand out mm-hmm. on the page? But a couple of, so really think about that. Um, please don't use Microsoft Word templates. <laughs> I think I've seen all of them and I'm like, oh. Okay. It's actually, um, I'm, I'm actually all for actually going and paying for somebody to put your resume together. Yeah, you nice. do like graphic design and yep. do all that. You can go up on, there's all these websites, you got a design crowd and things like that where mm. you can say, here's my resume, can you make it look good? Yeah, yeah. And you'll get people who actually then tender for your job. Yeah, and yeah. they'll go. I'll do like it an for three dollars. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Someone in the Philippines or India yeah. or somewhere yeah, yeah. would be on. I go. Yep, I'll do it for yeah dollar fifty. And you're like, okay, cool. And what? No, what is your the one called? There's there's heaps of them. One's called uh, Design Crowd. Design so that's Crowd. Really I've seen one. that. It's a great website actually. Yeah, yeah cool. Um, uh, Fiverr, I think, does it as well. Fiverr's yeah, Fiverr's got some good stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Fiverr does do it. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, there's there's a few yeah. out there, but it's a similar sort of thing. It's just like a an air task is a perfect example. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna I was gonna ask as well. What's your opinion on photos on resumes? This seems to be so yes, hotly this debated. This is a very good question. Yeah, thank you for bringing it up. Thank you for asking. Yeah. For everyone out there, please do not put your photo on a resume. <laughs> Don't do it. Thank what you. if I've got a really pretty face? <laughs> yeah. You can. Most people will laugh and go, hey, this guy's got this photo. Look at this out. guy. And you, yeah. It yeah. doesn't It doesn't necessarily hurt you, but it definitely doesn't help you either. Doesn't right. No, yeah, because yeah, okay. in that, especially in the age that we are now, and diversity, for instance, is a big, mm-hmm. big hot topic, mm-hmm. um, we try and generally, you actually look at resumes, um, what, what you call blind resumes, mm-hmm. where you, know, you don't look at gender, you don't look at age, you don't look at anything yeah. on there except for experience, experience knowledge, yeah, yeah. skills, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's actually a lot of techniques that companies use, they call it blind screening, yeah. where say a HR person like me will get a whole lot of resumes, mm. I'll go and take all the names off, any sensitive information, literally yeah. everything <laughs> that, uh, contact details, all that stuff. Mm. And then I'll give that to the hiring managers to go have a look through these graduate resumes and see, you know, who fits your bill. Yep. And on because of that, they've got there's no bias. They can't tell if I love it. Someone's got a say a Middle Eastern name that's hard to pronounce. Yeah. yeah. Here in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a lot of bias that's aligned with that. People go, well, you know, and and it sucks that it's the way it is, but it's that's that's a reality. Mm. Um, You take all that off. All they're looking at is skills, experience, Mm. and then. You know, from that you get all these amazing candidates that may have been overlooked. Yeah. You know, um, had, sure. had there been bias existing. Had they had their photo on the resume? Do you think? Do you think? Hey, this... We'll take the photo off. Yeah. yeah. Do you or think... leave it on and just like put a little mustache? You'll find a gross facial hair. I was going to say, um, do you think that that blind screening uh, does that work similarly in large graduate intakes as it does for higher price, higher paying individual roles? Yeah, it's, it's just a technique that's used. So it depends on the company. It depends on okay. time frames and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have used it in the past, mm. uh, but I've also not used it in the past. Yeah. It really depends on what you're chasing. Um, yeah, it really depends on the circumstance. So, yeah, yeah. So yeah, no photos. Please don't photos. Yeah. I think... Um, Sorry if I'm skipping the gun too much here, but I think a lot of our listeners know what a graduate program kind of looks like and what they can be expected to do. Um, One thing that I notice in my graduate program is big companies can often struggle to retain graduates Mm -hmm. and um, for various reasons. And I'd love to know what are the main reasons for um, companies in the mining and resources sector 
um, what do they see when graduates choose or elect to leave their graduate programs at the end or during? Oh, there's so much that goes into yeah. it. Is uh, there one common one that you see a lot? Uh, no. No, really. it's I mean, always it's different. It's pretty eclectic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's hard to pinpoint too because A, you've got to get feedback from the graduates to figure out why they're leaving. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes people hate that they don't want to talk about it or... Yeah, um, a bit you sensitive. Know, or it's a bit sensitive or there might be an underlying issue that they'd rather just not talk about. Yeah, yeah. They might have just had a bad experience with someone that they worked with. manager. Or yeah. It could have been, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they just don't want to rock the boat. They just want to get yeah. out of there. So they just say... Oh, look, it's not for me. Or yeah, it's my grandma died. Money across the road or something. Yeah, yeah. Because that's I, not necessarily the case. So it's all very subjective. I guess the root of my question yeah. really is like, how can we better prepare our graduates and students who are coming up to not not leave and these things and um, get what they were expecting in these types of programs and things like that? I think it really comes down to uh, before you even apply these roles like really have a look at it see is it somewhere that a is it a company that you align to mm-hmm. so like work in the mining industry and i know some people don't really like mining. don't morally agree with it exactly and that's yeah, cool yeah. like yeah I, I get it i get both sides of the story um mm. and i've got no bias which way you want to go. <laughs> but if you're just applying for a mining graduate graduate role because that's kind of all there is or that's mm. just one of the many that you're submitting to mm. uh and because that one might be the only one that comes through and then you think oh well I want, a, I want a grad role, like I want to lock myself in once I finish uni. Mm. So you take it, but you didn't really want to be in that role mm. in the first yeah, yeah. And I've seen it with a few key roles in the mining industry, which um, I won't say, but <laughs> when we've had the grads come in and, and the, the scope of work they thought they'd be doing uh, is very, very different to yeah. what they're actually doing yep. because that it's such a transferable um, discipline. Mm. They thought they might have been, you know, Doing, doing something cool elsewhere and that's yeah, cool yeah, just yeah, means sure. the mining industry wasn't for them yeah. and vice versa we've seen people come in knowing nothing about mining and just fell in love with it love it yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the like yeah me. exactly yeah, yeah I was naive mm. and yeah I saw yeah. the life <laughs> I was going to ask um, yeah. for, for a lot of you know recent grads penultimate grads and that sort of stuff what is your advice your opinion on either doing uh, as, as we mocked earlier about my gap year before study or if people have gone straight into their uni degree now they've done 15 or 16 years of straight study mm. what do you think what's your opinion as in that HR space of someone maybe taking a, a gap year after their degree and then coming back in there you know and coming back for looking for a grad role yeah. do you see that often is that a positive is that a negative and, and that sort of stuff for graduates that are looking I suppose for a bit of a break yeah that's a really good question actually for me it doesn't really matter most graduate mm. programs will accept applicants within uh, two to three years of graduating. Great, yeah. So if you're going for a, a grad role at the start of 2020, mm. we'll look at resumes, you know, graduating 2017 upwards. Yeah, so you, right. you'll look at it and say, all right, well, basically, you haven't let too much time go since you <laughs> left uni. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it depends Depends on the reason. I think, um, I think gap years are great. I also don't know if you need a whole year, necessarily. Mm. Or three. Yeah, all three. It's each of their own. It really yeah. depends. What What are you doing in that gap year? Yeah. Are you just going to Europe to hit Kentucky and then come home and sit on mum and dad's couch for exactly. nine months and then go, oh, I should go get a job? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm. Or are you actually going spending, doing getting life skills and mm. you know traveling around and mm. having great experiences? Learning how to be a sniper. Learning how to be a sniper. <laughs> it's great, yeah. Because yeah. you can then weave that into your cover letter, for instance. Yeah. Um, I've just returned from 
you know, sniper school in Switzerland <laughs> after graduating from a degree. And people go, holy gee, we've got to talk to that guy. Yeah, 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 boys. <laughs> it comes for reasoning. So if you can't justify what you've really done in that time, mm. it shows a, a bit of a negative complacency. Well, it shows complacency. That's a fair call. It also shows that yeah. maybe you're not as passionate about the industry, the industry or the yeah, you got other discipline thoughts. that you were studying yeah, sure, yeah. that you weren't eager to kind of jump in and start working yeah, straight fair. away. So there's, there's so much to consider. Um, I don't think it's good or bad either way. Yeah. But I absolutely encourage people to, at some point, early in their careers, take time to go and get life experience. Yeah, yeah. If you go through school, um, then go straight into uni, you spend four or five years at uni, you get, say, a dual degree, then you go straight into work. You get 21. to your late 20s, you're like, this... Uh, Burnout. Yeah, but you're also at that period, that point in your career where if you keep working hard, you're going to progress very quickly. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, you've just been going hard for so long. Mm. But it's really hard to then stop, take a break, and yeah. you get that you get that quarter life crisis type yeah. mentality. So, uh, I'm all for people going uh, like yourself, Jack, for, for three months over the summer and go mm. work in the you know go work um, in Europe or North America or something, or yeah, yeah. go travel in that period. Mm. Give yourself enough time away, but you're not completely cutting your life off and sure. you know letting that kind of. I've I've just got this burning question that I've been meaning to ask because yeah. you really essentially in life uh, you're adding tools to your tool belt really which is your cv if you want to put it that way but it's all these experiences that kind of help you get to where you want to go and um one thing like i was always quite passionate about the resources sector and thought i would end up in a place like that um and i still can (laughs) look at him he's giving me the wink (laughs) gosh ryan protect me all the way out plenty of opportunity you know each of their own but, um, (laughs) but um i guess one thing as a student is vacation programs and things yeah. like that. Um, for me, I kind of looked at them and went, geez, the kids with GPAs are 6.9s and all sorts. Exactly. They're all getting shipped off over there. There's no room for me on those kind of things. I'll apply for my Gold Coast City Council scholarship and things like that. And I have made the point before to yourself, Sean, and on this podcast that there are millions of um, scholarships yeah. around the world are. that are there, but just do not get taken because of my attitude there that I've just stated. Mm-hmm everyone with a 6.9 GPAs is going to take it away from you. Is yeah. there any um, programs that you'd recommend or is, am I telling the truth here, is that the case? All the 6.9 GPAs take all the vacation work. What should someone who hasn't got a good GPA be looking to do during uh, their vacations to kind of get those tools in their tool belt? Yeah, I think vacation work is one of the greatest things that you can do. Yeah. Um, if you can get experience in the industry that you're, you know, you're studying, that is massive. Yeah. I think... If you put yourself, you're the only one who thinks that you don't have a strong enough GPA. Yeah. No one's tapped you on the shoulder and said, hey man, if you've got anything less than a 6.9, don't bother. <laughs> you've done that for yourself. It's all in your own head. Mm. Or it might be from random people that you've talked to or friends at uni or whatever mm. that have kind of talked you out of it. Yeah. Don't listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go and apply. Put your name down. Like, yeah. So you've got to really put yourself out there as though what's going to make you different and what's going to make you interesting mm-hmm. enough that they're going to want to talk to you. Because when you think about a back program, a vacation work, you're expected to know nothing. Yeah, for sure. Right? So you're not... The skills that you bring are completely, you know, what makes you <laughs> you. So if you're an interesting you, mm. you know, or you've got cool experience that you can bring to that business, mm. that's what they look for. Say so, like sports teams or maybe yeah, surf lifesaving or something yeah, like that. Voluntary work, sort of, yeah. or whatever jobs you've, you've done. And then how does that 
correlate, you know, like mm-hmm. even if you just worked at Macca's for the last two years, the school mm-hmm. how does the customer service and the, the the ability to upsell and all this stuff that you've learned, how is that mm-hmm. going to be beneficial to the How does it translate? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And nearly yeah. everything you do translates in some way. Yeah, yeah. Um, so just apply for that quote. Don't think, you know, you can't. If your GPA is 4.5, that's cool. Put it yeah. in there. Yeah. But, um, you know, make yourself interesting. You heard it here first on the pretension years. Yeah, you really get screened on your cover letter and... We're in those roles because the resume is not going to have a lot in it. Yeah, yeah. Fairly inexperienced. Yeah. yeah. You cover letter, and then if you make it through, so say like a video interview. Yeah. You know, if you got a cat walk past your screen or something while mm. you're trying to. <laughs> the man does his research. I'll pay that. But that's the sort of stuff that makes you stand out, mm. and then you get a nickname like Catman for the rest of your life. Yeah. It's I was going to say something else, but I'll leave that. Um, <laughs> just a couple of short and sharp questions, mate, because I know you've got to get out of here. Too, um, sorry, guys. No, no, that's totally fine, man. Totally fine. One, uh, I suppose, similar to what you were just talking about, how can people um, best explain their interests on their resume outside of their experience? So, um, hobbies and things like that. How do you rate them? How do pe- how, what's the best way to list them or show them? I think that's my first question. Uh, and you answer that because I forgot the second one. Okay, well, what do you think of the second one? <laughs> uh, hobbies, for me personally, I don't really care about hobbies too much. Yeah. Um, unless it relates to what you're doing. Yeah. Or unless, say, you're a big fan of rugby league and you coach kids at a, your local club okay. or something like that. Where Again, about the skills. It's about the skills, mm-hmm. and that sort of feeds into your hobby. Um, really, if, you, if you've got the right... Um, you've got the right sort of pieces in your resume as in you, you know, the, the way that you've been able to take whatever skills you've got and put them you know, across to uh, the, the job that you're applying for, mm. that takes precedent over your hobbies. Yeah. Like if you've yeah. got a poor resume, but you know, we both love the UFC, like, <laughs> it's still not going to cut it. Like, yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you know, you've been training people, you've been helping in a certain way, and there's skills that you've learned through your hobby that relate to the role... Hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Talk that up. Yeah. Massive. Massive. Yeah. Have you thought of that second question? Uh, no, I'll, I'll give the floor to Jack because he's uh, squirming in his seat here. Hey, I'm itching. I'm itching. I've got to get Sting in it. before time's up. That's alright. We've got a few more minutes as well. But don't rush through it. So, for me, um, I see the mining sector as a whole. Um, I mean, you even um, spoke before about going there to earn a quick buck over two years, Mm. quickly jump in, quickly jump out type thing. And I think there's probably a lot of people out there that almost, they go, no, no, I'm passionate about it, but they're actually kind of, they just want to get in and earn their big money, retire by the time they're 50 or 40 and they'll be all good type thing. Mm. And I mean, in my opinion, from what I've seen in my career so far, that is a totally respectable thing to do. If money is your motivator and it's going to keep you at the office and you're going to be working your heart out with the rest of the guys, like that's absolutely fine. Everyone has their own motivations. So I was really quite curious to see um, your opinion on if you are hunting down money in the mining resource uh, resource kind of sector, where should you be sniffing around? Where are the, all these cats going? So, yeah, I think there's that stigma that oh, mining pays really well. Yeah. And... Yeah, it does, but you work for it. Exactly. And I mean that you work for it as in you're going to be you know, working in a remote location, long you're away from family, friends, you yep. long hours, you're potentially working night shift as well. You're getting married when you're 50 after. There's, oh, there's, there's a lot that goes into it. And so mm-hmm. I think that the money that's made in the mining industry is absolutely earned. Mm-hmm. I really do. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to discount other industries. Uh, I think you can make money in anything you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, People, someone invented a fidget spinner and made a boatload of money out of that. So if that's what you're interested in, then go for it. Yeah, yeah. You guys are engineers. You know how that shit works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but so for me, um, I sort of lost my train of thought there. But 
when it comes to the mining uh, money for, for graduates, industry. I suppose, and, and making yeah. quick buck. If, if that's what they're what, thinking. What's your opinion? Yeah, I yeah. think well, as a graduate, if you're coming into it looking for money, you're in for it for the wrong reasons, or maybe no. you should be going after being I don't know a mining manager or something like that. Like, yeah, the way I the way I see it is that you can make money doing whatever you want. So mm. focus on doing whatever you want. Yeah, you know, yeah, I love if it. If you're just going to mining to make money, mm. but you don't really align to it either morally or you just you, that's not really where you see your career going. Mm. That's cool, but don't think that um, you're going to be happy if you make that extra. 10 or 15 yeah. a year by going out to site. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, pocketing that site allowance that you wouldn't have otherwise got in, in the city. Yeah. Uh, but hating it. And quality of life, I think, is something yeah, as exactly. well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, um, yeah, there can be good money in the mining industry um, and there, there definitely is the opportunity there. Uh, I, kind of to your point about the gap year and things, I absolutely recommend everyone to jump in. Mm. If you're interested in resources and go work in remote communities and work firefighter stuff. Drug the truck. Lifestyle yeah. is amazing. Yeah. It really is amazing. And you yeah. learn so much. So many of our grads go out the site. They're like, this is so cool. I don't want to come back to the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Community is huge. Like they, yeah. they all connect really well. Yeah. They all go out on the weekends and explore the area and do all this amazing stuff. It's awesome. And that's all around Australia and around the world as well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think don't discount it because mm-hmm. you don't think it's going to be for you. There's nothing wrong with trying it. And, and if it's not for you, that's cool. You just have that conversation. Yeah. But at the same time, it really needs to align to, to what you want, you know, yeah. what, what you really want to get out of it. And that's, that's the value in that back work yeah. that you're talking about. so valuable. Yeah, it's really doing your research, almost your internal research. Going, what do I want to do? Soul searching. Yeah, in a way. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you might get three, four years into you know postgrad program, you don't have your you know your shiny parachute of being a, <laughs> you know being a naive uni student or a yeah. graduate anymore. You're like a fully functioning adult. Mm. Uh, Trying to be. Trying to be, yeah. Well, yeah, at least society thinks you're <laughs> But then to go, oh, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. And you go back to square one and you're thinking, God, what am I going to do? Like, mm. And I went through all that. When I left the hotel industry, I was like, oh, I've got to start again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then I drove a truck for a while and I was like, oh, I've got to start again. Yeah. But it's those experiences that have got me where I am now and I'm loving what I'm doing. So yeah, yeah. Um, don't discount it, but really think, yeah, what do you really want? And, mm. and do what you can to work towards it. And I think I'll oh, just just one last yeah, comment I think before right. I finish off. But um, I think as well, especially with the newer generations and obviously life expectancy and everything changing, um, no one has one career anymore. It's it's absurd to think about someone has one career. Yeah. So um, don't beat yourself up or don't uh, throw it away thinking, oh, I'm twenty eight, I'm thirty, I'm thirty five, I, I can't go back to uni. Yeah. You know, uh, as an electrical engineer, I saw out of about thirty students in my last couple of years, we probably had about five out of the thirty were. Older guys, old sparkies, old electricians that were coming back. Maybe it was an injury or they just wanted more money or something different. Yeah. Uh, and they came back and studied. So um, if you've got any questions about going back to uni or getting a job, this man runs his own Beneath the Service podcast. He has all of the questions answered. Guru, he is. So <laughs> Couldn't if, agree if more. you want to have any questions for him, contact us through the Pretend Engineers on LinkedIn, all our socials. Um, or you can actually get beneath the service. Yeah. yeah where, so where can we find that? I'll, I'll tell you where to find that, and then I want to depart with a couple of um, wise words, hopefully. For sure, that was a list of advice. Because I wrote it down, mm. so I want to say it. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so my name's Sean Lavin. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's probably the best spot to go. Nice. Um, on Instagram as well at seanlavin.co. And um, the Beneath the Surface is the podcast that uh, I launched a few months ago and loving the journey. Yeah. You can get that anywhere you get a podcast. Um, it's on my website, which is seanlover.co slash podcast. Um, and yeah, anywhere, Apple, 
Yeah, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, go crazy. Yeah. Wherever you want it, it'll be there. Yeah. Uh, but it's great. So I chat to uh, all the interesting characters across the mining industry and, mm. and talk about their stories and the, the cool things that make them them, yeah. which is one of the big things that I miss from being on site now that I work in a shiny office. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Interacting with those really cool people at three o'clock in the morning, characters <laughs> over a cup of Blend 43 oh, <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. That's, yeah. uh, that's where it all came from. <laughs> that's all I drink. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to connect. And, um, you know, I'm, yeah, I, I love just connecting with people so yeah if you've got questions if you want any advice or feedback let me know i'm more than happy to help mm. um please don't ask me to check through your resume <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, um, but yeah no, there's this there's so much you can do even a bit of google searching as to how to beef up your resume and your cover letters there's mm. so much value in that alone so yeah yeah so if i can just depart with a couple yeah. of Hit us up, please, mate. So for anyone in uni days or um, in your grad programs, early in your career, big things that I think you really need to focus on is a lot of people think they need to be technical. You've been to uni, you've got all the book Mm. smarts, you know know what you're doing now to go out there and prove it. Mm. Uh, I I told you, Ryan. (laughs) Your day job is going to do that for you. I think you really need to focus on your soft skills. Yeah. Mm. Um, And Brian, I'm sure you both attest to this, for Mm. sure, Um, is really focusing on like public speaking, you know, like places like Toastmasters is great. Yeah. Learning how to present. Like mm. Learn how to put together a PowerPoint pack so that when you, yep. when that day comes and you've got to go into the executive, the line standard of your executives of your company and pitch some project you're working on, mm. you smash them with this amazing presentation. Because yeah. mm. no one will ever teach you how to do that. Yeah, exactly. They're the sort of things to work on. Networking's massive. Um, really doing it properly. Please don't go to like a weird sleazy networking night where there's no real agenda and you know, mm. there's half a bottle of water on the table for everyone to share <laughs> um, but really being of value to the people around you like what can you give them to make mm. their life easier like can you connect them with somebody else or I love can that. you introduce them it's just being of value with not expecting anything in return because that's the sort of stuff that will come back yeah. at you, you I time. absolutely love that yeah I think it's huge um, the second one is to default to yes so yes. what I mean by that is put your hand up yes. everything. everything even if you think it's going to yeah, you get this opportunity to go to the middle of the Gobi Desert in Mongolia for three months and you're like, oh, it sounds awful. <laughs> Do it because it'll be an amazing experience. And yeah. I say the same with the resources industry. Like if you were thinking about, yeah, going working on a mine site for a while and you get the opportunity, go and do it. Massive. Just say yes. Say yeah. yes to everything. Yeah. If it gets you out of your comfort zone, that's the best thing you can do. Yeah. Which is basically what my third piece is. And that is that um, you really can't grow within your comfort zone. You've yeah. got it, like no cool thing has ever happened to you that hasn't made you a little bit uncomfortable at some point in yeah. the process. You know, <clears throat> anything. Like you talk about someone who's skydived or bungee jump. The moment they're about to do it is going to be the most terrifying yeah. part of the whole journey. Yeah. But they get out of their comfort zone and they jump. And they all say it was the, those who survive. Mm. All say <laughs> it's like the greatest thing that they've I think, ever done. I think straight about uh, beers. Uh, one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I, was just, I was just about to say that Love um, you don't really learn any life skills on the couch. So um, that's very true, very true. No, awesome. Growth can't happen within your comfort zone. So yeah. get out and get involved, network, learn to present. Yeah, it's, it'll serve you massively. Because when you get the technical skills that you'll get throughout your career, those first couple of years, it's the soft skills that will really boost your profile. Yeah. That's what will get you to the next level. Graduate vid- India, video interviews, face-to-face All interviews, yeah. asking for pay, like your performance reviews and asking for pay rises. Yeah. 
you're not going to get a pay rise if you just like, hey, give me more cash because my rent's due. Like, you need to be convincing. You need to sell. And yeah. people, people underestimate the importance of selling yeah. in engineering, but in any industry. You have to sell yourself all the time. You're selling yourself is really uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yeah. So it's about, no, all right, this is going to be uncomfortable, but doing it, yeah, working on it, trying to do it in the best way yeah. to, to get what you deserve. Massive. Mm. Massive. Absolutely. Well, um, just before I, I say goodbye, I wanted to shamelessly plug, um, especially talking about networking, um, we just wanted to shamelessly plug a, a great event we've just started creating uh, with actually one of uh, Sean's yeah. uh, colleagues, actually. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, John, he's a great mate of mine. We work through the Young Engineers Australia Queensland Committee, and uh, we love the work we do there. And we've created a, a great little event. We've started, it'll be on the third Thursday of every month. Um, really casual networking session. And for us, I really thought about it with, um, you know, people that work in a small engineering firm and have no one their age, um, or you might've come from interstate or internationally to come you start a new job and you've got no friends. And how do I organically network, create those connections like you're talking about, and one, provide value, but then also seek value and not just ask my boss like, oh, um, how do I become a better engineer, you know? Yeah. Um, so we've actually created this really great event with one of Sean's colleagues. We're really, really proud about it. It's uh, going to be at one of Brisbane's best pubs on the third Thursday of every month. Um, no tickets, no registrations, no costs or anything. Um, just come have a Coke or a beer and, um, and hopefully I'll try and uh, rope Sean to come and actually attend one of these events. I don't know if I qualify. I don't have engineering. But I would love to be involved in something. There'll be no sure. chilled water in the corner, mate. Don't yeah, worry. yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> this is on their sleazy networking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I, love, I love the concept. I think it's awesome. Yeah, great. John's a great guy. Um, yeah. Yeah, any chance to go for a beer with you guys? I'd love to be involved. Yeah, that'd be massive. Even if you're getting sent me into your very, you know. Of course. No, it's not prestigious at all, mate. It's, it's literally <laughs> the opposite. And uh, we just want to get not only engineers, but people from all in the industry to, um, you know, create better networks and more connections. But I love, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna steal and and, and copy that that word used in creating. Creating, creating value for being people. of value yeah exactly yeah. being of value and, and it's amazing to learn and, and how much you develop by hearing other people's stories mm. and um, and the hardships and you can really humble yourself and learn a lot um, yeah. so hopefully maybe not this week uh, but whenever we can we'll get Sean to, to come in uh, for one of these third Thursday clubs and, and he might be able to give a couple of pearls of wisdom to mm. um, anyone that wants to attend on all about HR and, uh, and how to work with people so yeah look I'd love to be involved and, and any questions that yeah, I can answer or help you with, or as I said, once it's that being of value. So yeah, mm. um, yeah, I can talk underwater with a glass of beer in my hand. So <laughs> yeah, bingo. all for it. Yeah, mate. okay. Well, again, Sean, thank you very much, mate. Thank it's, you, uh, Sean. Actually, doing both of these episodes beneath the surface and now pretend engineers back to back. Uh, it's been really great and mm. uh, thank you very much for your time and it's actually quite uh, fun and interesting doing an interview with someone that does podcasts so they know you know like the, the way the conversation everything goes is really fun so mate thank it's you very been much great. no thanks so much for having me there's a lot of firsts for me tonight so it's been very very enjoyable yeah great thanks, thanks.